Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Speak On It, history and genealogy conversations with Janice and Sherikana. We invite you to join us on Thursdays at 8 p.m. for an engaging exchange with us and our special guests as we cover various topics regarding history, genealogy, and your personal family history stories. Hello, I'm Janice Gilliard. And I'm Sherikana Feliciano. Welcome to Speak On It. History and Genealogy Conversations with Janice and Cherikana. Thank you for joining us, and please be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our guest today is Frederick Deshaun Murphy of History Before Us. Frederick's goal is to preserve for future generations these valuable stories and experiences that will never return. He is committed to making sure that the masses have insight into historical events with the firm belief Historical knowledge provides a background for make it solid, making solid decisions in the future. As the old saying goes, he who refuses to learn from the past is doomed to repeat it. Welcome, Frederick Deshaun Murphy, to speak on it. Hey, everybody. Thank you for having me. I am completely honored. Thank you. We're so excited to Thank have you. And here. we're going to get yes. right into, yes, into our first question for tonight. So from your website, it's noted that you always enjoy talking to your elders and hearing stories of family history. In 2016, you founded History Before Us, a project centered on capturing, preserving, and advocating influential history. But what we all want to know is what was it that actually compelled you to start this project and the initial process? Yeah, um, you know, it was by day uh, and by night. I am a licensed clinical mental health therapist, so um, counseling is something that I have been doing since 2004 professionally. And it was mm. roughly around 2000, at the end of 2015, um, burnout. Like, when you absorb so many people's challenges and problems on a day-to-day basis, you know, it can just have a damning effect on you mentally and emotionally and spiritually, just, you know, your whole holistic self. So right. at that point in time, um, I was responsible for a lot of people. I was the director of counseling at a university, and I was the only therapist on the campus. And, you know, you pick up weight, your, your eating habits are bad, you're not able to do some of the things that you normally do for self-care. So I had to mm-hmm. take control of my life, and I had to say, you know what, let me get back to doing what uh, – uh, well, actually, let me self-reflect and get back to to doing the things that uh, once brought me, um, you know, joy. And that was always oral history. It was always sitting down with elders and, and gleaning different um, aspects of their lived experiences and, and incorporating it into my life and, uh, you know, for the betterment of, of my own future. And um, that's what I would always do as a kid, too, is just, you know, uh, my grandmother has – had 13 siblings that were living uh, at one time. And, uh, you know, when they would come down for Thanksgiving, uh, Easter, family reunions, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. we would go back up to visit them uh, over my big granny's house, my great granny's house. I'm just a, a sponge. I'm, you know, that water is, is, is hitting a sponge, and I'm just absorbing it. It ain't mm-hmm. going nowhere. 
and I ain't going outside until I hear y'all <laughs> say what I need y'all to say. Uh, whether that was surnames, that was whether that was talking about Jim Crow, whether that was talking about slavery, uh, whether that was talking about how resilient you were or the migration that y'all did from Tennessee to Illinois and then some back to Tennessee, uh, I needed to get all that right there. So um, that's kind of how history before us began, and, and, it, and it allowed me the opportunity to uh, go into making films, doing blogs, and also putting together um, presentation that links film uh, with historical trauma. Um, before COVID, I was going around the country pro- providing the presentation, utilizing film to better understand historical trauma in the African-American right. community. Great. And that kind of segues into the next question. So as you mentioned, you're also a filmmaker. Um, So can Mm -hmm. you share what led you to research and produce uh, the American South as we know it and the other side of the Mm -hmm. coin, race, generations, and reconciliation? Yeah, so it kind of coincides with the the, uh, going back to what it is that I felt like I – you know, that was, I was very enamored with, which was collecting oral histories. And um, the American South as we know it – it kind of was a spinoff of this oral history project that I did where I traveled throughout the South uh, inquiring with individuals who survived Jim Crow, and I call it survive because it, you needed to survive that. Um, the survivors right. of Jim Crow, their specified experiences and what that looked like. So that led me to Tennessee, uh, Alabama, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, all these southern states, right? Um And, you know, it was just something that just said, you know, you can do more. The ancestors said, you know, this is a very digital and visual society in which we live in. Um, So that led me to to, to, um, reaching out to a recent graduate at a university here in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, who was like – he was the first graduate of the film program. And I was telling him, I said, hey, I don't have a lot of money, but you're a graduate and you don't have any money. So this is what I can (laughs) offer you. And, uh, and, and, well, you just graduated, so you don't have any money. So this is what I can offer you. So we're going to have to hit the, hit, the, hit the road and head down south. And he's from uh, the DMV area. And he like, what you mean by south? He said, we're in North Carolina. Ain't that south enough? I said, nah, we got to go a little bit deeper than that. <laughs> so that's what led to the American South, as we know it. That was my very first project. And then the other side of the coin, Race Generations and Reconciliations, was kind of like a part two of that to a certain degree and where mm-hmm. I uh, interviewed individuals uh, uh, who were white, uh, and also I have a Native American brother that's in there as well, and identifying um, what it looked like from white's perspective in regards to history then as well as history now. Uh, one individual that I had in the, docu- in the documentary was Susan Marshall. She was a Tate Street picketer there in Greensboro, picketing for her roommate as well as friends there at the Women's College there in North Carolina in Greensboro. Mm-hmm. They can shop in the same stores as other individuals, as well as I have uh, Mr. Um, Uncle George Sizemore, whose father was enslaved, uh, and he, uh, Uncle George, unfortunately passed last year. Um, he mm. was, you know, one in uh, – you know, he was a needle in the haystack because there's not very many individuals that are alive today whose parents were enslaved. Um, but right. I had him as well as Bill Sizemore, and Bill Sizemore's family had enslaved Uncle George Sizemore, and they came together. There's a book that's out there called Uncle George and Me, and the proceeds of that book goes to uh, Uncle George's family for, as a scholarship for the kids. So that is their specific way of identifying what reconciliation looked like, and it was beautiful to capture it on film. 
That is awesome. Mm-hmm. So our next question, and this is really interesting because I learned about you from Facebook, and we'll talk a little bit later about that connection um, that mm-hmm. has come as a result of all of this. Um, on your Facebook page, you post frequently um, about different sites that you've visited. Um, you provide historical information regarding each site. What actually mm-hmm. determines which sites you will visit? Do you prepare in advance? Excuse me, or do you visit and develop the content you share afterwards? Um, you know, it's. Um, I, I really wish I could blog every time I visited a place, but right. because <laughs> I have so many different projects going on from film, like I'm working on three projects right now, it's difficult to find time to do that. But there's a site that says there's a, an app called Explore Here, and that app identifies historical places as well as historical markers. So if I'm driving from one state to another, I go to that app, and I just kind of, while I'm on the road, I'm able to map out some of these places that I would have not, that I wouldn't have known if I didn't have that app. So shout out to whoever made that app. I need to get some. Uh, <laughs> what, what's the app? You know, I, Can you give us the, the name of the app? Called, uh, yeah, the app is called Explore Here. Yep. Wow. So if you if you go to explore here on in your um you know your app store, then that provides um, historical markers, uh, historical churches, buildings, plantations, etc. That is et great. So um, that is an app that I use frequently when I'm tra- traveling from one destination to the next to go to those spots in between, right? Um, so um, whenever I find that, whenever I'm going to these different sites, I make sure that I research. Uh, and it's mostly when I'm going to film someplace, um, I research what's between me and the actual destination to make those stops right. along the way. So I always make that time to make those stops along the way. And of course, um, you know, if you all have seen most of my stuff, it's it's um, mostly those mostly those unheralded stories that a lot of people may not know about. Uh, because for me, though, I'm an underdog type of guy, and I always have been. Right. And I think that kind of has matches, you know, some of the things that um, I had grown up with. And um, those are the things that I love to highlight. So um, sometimes I have a mission to go to somewhere in uh, specific, and then sometimes it's just I'm on that app, uh, and then I, I get the information. Or if I run into one of those good old timers that's sitting on the porch in some of these uh, rural towns, I ask, you know, hey, is there anyone around here that I can talk to about the history of the town or this or mm-hmm. that? And, uh, you know, people are still nice. People are still friendly out there when they get guests. Um, so that's how that's kind of how rock and roll. I saw that right. you're in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, which is one of my favorite places, and I have family there. And uh, I I think it's uh, I can't think of the name of it right now, but there's an African American museum there. Um, it's on a small scale, and I've actually been there before. So it's like, hey, Asheville family. And with that being yeah. said, and finding you uh, on Facebook. Um, and, again, I wasn't looking for you. I just happened to see it. And recently we actually discovered, well, the other night that we're connected, mm-hmm. that we're cousins. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's amazing how things happen. So, And that, yes, and, and that has actually been the case with um, several of our guests. Either Shara Khan and I or um, Bernice, our sponsor, is connected mm-hmm. to someone that we've actually Good interviewed. Yep. So, yeah, very, very, nice. very interesting and spiritually how things happen. Um, so that that's just amazing to me. I'm blown away still by that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great to hear about the Explore here because um, I, I had this, like, weird itch to go to Pittsburgh, like, 
out of it, it, it's just something I really wanted to do for the longest time. And I finally did mm-hmm. it like last fall. And um, I used the green book to just kind of like see some of the old spots that were, you know, where the black residents and black tourists could stay. But it would be mm-hmm. really cool to have that Explore Here app as well to kind of like guide me around. So that's that's really, really yeah. cool. Um, yes, so Janice is familiar with you through Facebook. I'm familiar with you through Instagram. Um, so I've been yep. following your Instagram for a while. And one thing I enjoy is that you post the historical markers, which kind of mm-hmm. plays on what we just talked about previously. Mm-hmm. And you usually have a caption that says education on the go. So yep. why do you think historical markers are important to capture? Um, what do you hope to inspire by sharing them? And can you share maybe like just a few markers that have stood out to you and taught you something new and fascinating? Yeah, um, because I think that it truly is education on the go, you know, and I think you have to be very intentional when you stop and uh, go to these different historical markers. Um, I, they, they provide so much content that uh, the history books usually don't, specifically when you, it, you're talking about our history, um, because of the simple mm-hmm. fact that, uh, you know, our history is not covered uh, from a comprehensive standpoint in which it should be in the history books. So I look at those historical markers as just, you know, a quick a summarization of what was right here, right? Like what was in this specific community, which, of course, um, when when we do those types of things, it, it allows us the opportunity to, if you're if you're spiritual like me, to kind of get grounded in that, right, and to say mm-hmm. that, wow, this is this is what's here. Let me try to create this depiction in my head of of this person or this community prior to my existence, and and I and just kind of bask in that, and and that's what I love doing with the historical markers, and um, you know, as far as some of the ones that stand out to me, I mean, there's Golly, there's there's so many of them uh, that I've <laughs> come across over over all the years. But uh, one of the ones that um, I just left Richmond, Virginia, and I stopped in Pocahontas Island, which mm. is in Petersburg, and um, I was I learned about Pocahontas Island maybe like ten years ago, and uh, I had no clue. Uh, what it was, I didn't know, of course, the significance because, again, you know, that's not something that was was taught, and that uh, really stood out to me because I had no clue about uh, such a large community of free people of color in Petersburg, mm-hmm. Virginia, not too far right. from Richmond, Virginia, <laughs> in which we know the history of Richmond, Virginia, and the um, the, the slave trade that was so right. aggressive there in Richmond, Virginia. So um, Pocahontas Island was kind of like a fresh, a breath of fresh air because you're able to see this community that um, you see that your brothers and sisters was, was able to create prior to the Civil War. And then not only that, they, uh, it was uh, identified in some of the readings that, uh, that I have researched that there's a good possibility that those brothers and sisters helped um, individuals that were along the Underground Railroad to escape and set up shop in that specific community. So that's the most recent one that I've been, uh, that I've seen. And uh, I I just love it. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. How how many states do you think you've visited? Uh, That's a great question. (laughs) Yeah. um, I've visited a lot of states. Um, in particular, doing history research, I'll say probably 
uh, about 15. Okay. Yeah, I'll say that's, about that's 15. That's a substantial it, amount. It, yeah, and that's, you know, being intentional about the history research. So, yeah, right. it's roughly around 15 states, in, in particularly, doing, particularly doing that piece. Um, and then also uh, Jamaica. Um, and I was supposed to go to the New Gambia last year, but, of course, COVID, and I was supposed to go back this year. It was to go this year, wow. but, you know, after that was postponed to the New Gambia to do some history research with a, a friend of mine who uh, is an entrepreneur over there um, and was supposed to speak to a university, but unfortunately that was canceled due to COVID. And um, the, the Bahamas, I, I'll be going there um, now that has been pushed back too because of COVID to do some, some mm-hmm. research and learn more about brothers and sisters throughout the diaspora, the African diaspora. Nice, now, during nice. our conversation this week, you mentioned that you were in New Jersey. You want to share a little bit about that? Um, I believe the woman's last name was Rice. Yes. So uh, McCray, um, Rose Rice, um, and she was actually in Columbia, uh, South Carolina, but her family moved to New Jersey, uh, Montclair, when she Montclair. was a child. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yep, Montclair, and her mother – Helmed the YMCA. Uh, she held um, uh, some high positions there, as well as at Virginia Union University. And there was a book that was called Freedom's uh, Child, I believe it was called. I can't yes, remember. Yes, that's what you said. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, Freedom's it. Child, that's and it. that was her Confederate mm-hmm. grandfather um, that was there in um, in Virginia. Uh, I forgot what mm-hmm. part of Virginia, but he was a high-ranking um, individual in the Confederate Army, and that was her grandfather. So that story, that book called Freedom Child, Freedom's Child, uh, it mm-hmm. details that uh, relationship, and that's of uh, the Rice family. Um, and it, it's just an amazing, amazing story. I think Lynchburg, I think Lynchburg is is the area that um, that they were in. Okay. And that, that the book is by Carrie Allen McCray. It is an excellent okay. read. And it's called Freedom's yeah. Child, uh, Carrie Allen McCray. And her sister Rose is the person that I uh, was able to sit down and, um, and, and, and glean her uh, information from a oral history standpoint. She was a graduate. That's she was awesome. a graduate of, uh, free, uh, she was a graduate of Fisk University. So shout out to all the HBCUs. <laughs> Okay, so can you talk to us a little bit about your collaboration with Black Indians in North Carolina? Yeah, Black Indians NC uh, is an initiative um, that started two years ago, I believe. I have to ask Kimberly. Um, I met Kimberly at a Dividing Lines Symposium in uh, Atlanta last year, Um, and um, it is a symposium that's put on by – uh, Brother Stephen Gale um, there in uh, Kennesaw State University, and it is a symposium that identifies the intersection of African-American and Native American lives. So what I was mm-hmm. doing up there was I was giving a presentation as well as uh, on the panel uh, as it relates to the importance of storytelling and sharing stories. Uh, and I mean, I'm sorry, collecting stories and sharing it with individuals for genealogy research, just just general uh, uh, understanding of, of history. And um, so Kim and I had met there, and uh, all of our families from the same region in that Warren County, Halifax oh, wow. County area uh, in North Carolina. 
and, you know, just kind of off the humbug, um, just kind of, Janice, how you and I was doing, was talking and catching up. And I said, right. man, you got a mm-hmm. account? And sure enough, boom, <laughs> connected yes. DNA, yes. DNA relatives. And we were able to find it. Uh, the Evans line is, is kind of where that is, where that is uh, from an indigenous wow. standpoint. Um, and, um, and so from there, I was saying, you know, because I was already looking for another project to do. Um, as, as it relates to African Americans and Native Americans, and then also our Afro Indigenous folks who were here prior to 1619, Afro Indigenous folks on this side of the Mississippi have been rooted into each other's lives for a very long time, as well as out west. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we can dispel that 1619 was the first time that Black folks came here, and this and that, this and that, this and that. And that's my own subjective opinion, uh, but there is research out there that shows <laughs> that we were here before 1619. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, Kim and I. Um, you know, I, I sat down, I talked with her, I said, hey, this is a project that I have in mind. You know, you, um, you know, Cherokee was her first language. Uh, her uh, grandmother uh, was from the Ivory Coast of Africa, and um, her grandfather uh, was indigenous there at, uh, in Cherokee, North Carolina. And from there, um, we uh, just decided to, uh, we decided to go ahead and, and create the documentary that's called Duality, a collection of Afro-Indigenous perspectives. Uh, thus far, we've, we're two interviews in, and we have our third interview in November, and we have the official trailer that's up. And you can find that trailer uh, on my Instagram page or my Facebook page, which is History Before Us. So we're just pushing through, sharing that narrative, sharing the interconnectedness of um, the intersection of, of, of black folks and indigenous folks or black indigenous folks, however you want to name it, aborigines, uh, aboriginal people have all kind of different ways and I don't knock what people say, you know, I respect whatever you, you feel your belief is. Um, but for us, uh, we either utilize the word Afro-Indigenous or black Indians. Um, so that's, that's my connection. Awesome. awesome. Great. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I, yeah. I've, I have found in the last few um, interviews we've done, the sort of like Afro-Indigenous connection has come up um, in some way. So there's definitely um, more attention that's being paid to that history now. So sure. that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so Frederick, can you please share in your own way some parting words of inspiration to our listeners? Yeah, man. Um, from a genealogy <laughs> standpoint, it's just keep chipping away. <laughs> like keep chipping away. If you got to put it down and push the food from the table, push it away for a little bit, so you can just not be so. Um, consumed by everything that you're experiencing, the roadblocks, um, you know, the mishaps, uh, you know, uh, the highs and lows of genealogy research. It's okay to do that, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I I have often found myself getting so frustrated as well as sometimes the vicarious trauma that comes along with reading Mm -hmm. about your ancestors. Um, Mm. You know, I, I have three bills of sales of three different ancestors and I'm just looking at it and the word that stands out of course or the letter or the numbers is the, the cost right like how much right, right. they were quote unquote unquote words or sold to this person I have one line that was sold four times and they had four surnames uh, within 12 years and um, you know you can get part of my language you can get pissed off right so right, right. you gotta you gotta you gotta still maintain that sense of, of autonomy to where it doesn't take you there. So 
but you still have to be persistent. So uh, my, my biggest uh, parting words, specifically from a genealogy research, is knowing when to kind of put it down and then come back with fresh eyes and utilize every single resource that you can, death certificates, uh, going to the archives, uh, collecting oral histories, asking to look in old people's well, – let me not say old people – looking into old Bibles, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, okay. and, and, and being – yeah, and being very intentional about our conversations with people. Right. And it may not just be, it, it, you know, it's like, oh, I'm come over and talk to you about things in the past. No, you need to kind of go there with a plan, right, and, yeah. and be very um, specific about what it is that you need. And I think that that is, um, I think that's some, some good good advice. Yeah, that's yeah. excellent. You, you, know, <laughs> that's excellent you know what, I know, <laughs> well, well, I, I'm sorry, we're done with the questions, but. I'm just curious, how long have you been doing the genealogy research portion uh, for, for your family? About, yeah, since I'm 42 now, since I was about 23 years old. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, like seriously, seriously, going to archives and libraries and stuff like that since about like 23. Okay, okay. and then the last uh, thing that I wanted to share, that slave bill of sale, I'm talking about that. Um, there was, mm-hmm. there is one, and it was the, it's the first and the only one that I've seen. I know um, Bernice says that she's had, she actually has several, um, but the first time I saw one, it was very, very emotional for me, and mm-hmm. I wrote about it, cried about it, and then felt empowered by it. Um, mm-hmm. You know that we're here because she was resilient, and yes, right. she survived. You know, mm-hmm. so when you mention yes. the um, slave bill of sales, that that was just that always just touches me and moves me deeply because that just happened last year. So, thank you for yeah. sharing that. Yeah, it can definitely have a profound effect to see that because you're looking at the land through a humanistic standpoint. Other people may not look at things through that regard and recognize that it's part of your existence and you being here. If that person was to to had the ability to survive it, and that's why I also. You um, utilize the word survivors of Jim Crow because that's exactly right. what they are. They, I mean, they were thousands of people lynched during Jim Crow, <laughs> right? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in order for people, you know, you all's possible parents or grandparents, my grandparents, my great grandparents, our great grandparents, et cetera, et cetera, to have uh, still be here today, there was a, a sense of survival that they had to have in order to do such. And that's not to shame anyone who did not make it because we don't do that to any of our ancestors that unfortunately perished. Exactly. It was right, just right. that um, they were they they're still they were still here, and because of that, we we're here. And uh, yeah, so I I I I always identify these individuals as survivors, what they are and what they were. Powerful, excellent. That is that's profound. Thank you for mm-hmm. that. Well, Frederick, thank you for sharing with us and our listeners um, yeah. for additional information regarding history before us. You can uh, visit historybeforeus.com and on Instagram you can find um, Frederick's uh, visits and just great, great content. Um, and that's history before us on Instagram. No spaces, just one word. Um, To our listeners, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to sharing with you during our next segment of Speak On It. So before we go, um, you know, Frederick, uh, myself, and Chair Connor, um, we have something special for our listeners this evening. So the first person to comment, all you have to do is scroll down from the link where you're listening and comment um, will receive a pass, a free pass, 
to view uh, any of the documentaries, the paid documentaries that are on Frederick's site. So please be sure to do that and speak on it. History and Genealogy Conversations with Janice and Sharagana is a podcast and is immediately available to listen at your leisure. This show is sponsored by Bernice Bennett of Research at the National Archives and Beyond, Log Talk Radio. Thank you. Thank you.